Hey, all, and welcome back to another episode of Greater Greener Georgia. I'm Miles. And I'm Alexis, and we have a great show for you today filled with a bunch of local and statewide updates from around Georgia. Yeah, we can jump right in with post-elections. It was a super busy time for us. Work was Mm -hmm. really stressful, honestly. (laughs) Um, And all of our programs were super busy. We would have team meetings where most of the meeting was just events and canvassing and Um, it was a lot, but I think it was it was worth it. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. And GCV uh, Action Fund endorsed a ton of really cool candidates all over the state. And I kind of just wanted to talk about how we played a role in the election this year and just the general outcomes that happened and to celebrate that. So, yeah. Wh- how many people did the Action Fund endorse and, you know, how many won? Yeah, so overall, we endorsed 37 candidates and 21 of them won, which honestly, pretty good turnout, more than half of them won. So that's really exciting. And so let's talk about some of the good stuff that happened first. So some notable winners of elections from around the state are Rua Roman and Nabila Islam are the first Muslim women to be elected to office in Georgia. One of them is going to be a state house rep. One's going to be a state senator. Um, And it's just really exciting to start to see the Georgia legislature start to actually look more like Georgia, um, you know, with diversity and gender and everything. Um, Another really exciting race that we endorsed was Lisa Campbell's race for State House District 35. That ended up being the only State House seat that flipped um, parties. You know, it used to be held by a Republican. It'll now be held by a Democrat. So that's pretty exciting. Um, We also did a lot of work to help keep important climate champions in office who were already there, Um, especially with redistricting. A lot of their seats became a lot more competitive than they had been. So we're really happy to say that Representative Jasmine Clark, Representative Shelley Hutchinson and Representative Greg Kennard kept their seats um, and they're going to keep fighting for good environmental policies in the state of Georgia. And the last little tidbit I wanted to point out about people we endorse is that a lot of people who were already elected officials in the redistricting process had to switch legislative bodies if they were suddenly drawn out of their district or something like that. And so we really want to congratulate state rep-elect Michelle Au, state senator-elect Josh McLaurin and state senator elect Derek Mallow, who all had to work really hard to switch over into running a different kind of campaign than they had last time. Yeah, it's interesting dealing with redistricting like you have a whole new audience and a whole new uh, voting body that you're Mm -hmm. kind of saying, I'm already have done this. But right. I have to run again because of this redistricting that's happened. Yeah, so it was a kind of a a fight for information getting out. But that congrats to everybody. And um, yeah, more than half of of GCV's endorsements won their race. So that's amazing. Mm-hmm. And um, I also and- just want to say uh, congratulations to everyone who ran really good races and might not have won all of the campaigns across the state of Georgia. We're really impressive and we're so proud to have endorsed everyone that we did. And we hope that they continue running again in the future. That's a great point. And we had record turnout. How many people ended up voting in this midterm election? Yeah, it was record breaking. So more than 2.5 million people voted in this year's midterm election. It was really historic. Uh, Just for comparison, only 2.1 million people voted in the 2018 midterm, which was four years ago. And just of the people who voted this year, there's just, you know, we have to remember that Georgia is becoming a really diverse state. And so it's really exciting to see that 55 percent of people who voted this year were women. 
29% of the people who voted were black and 19% of the people who voted were under 40 years old. So mm. young women of color specifically, we got to say thank you for the results in this election because y'all are really showing up and we'd be nowhere without you. I know it's not all all great news, though. So is is there anything that came out of it that we learned or that, you know, yeah. People should know? Yeah, you know, with every election, there's always going to be a little bit of disappointment. And so uh, some not so great stuff happened, too. But uh, so we endorsed a really great slate of statewide candidates, you know, for governor, attorney general, secretary of state, all that kind of stuff. And unfortunately, all of our endorsed candidates lost, including Stacey Abrams for governor. She lost by almost 300,000 votes. And so, you know, it's really important to learn from that and to say, all right, what can we do differently next time? Or what can the candidates be doing differently next time? It's worth highlighting that all of these statewide candidates that we endorsed still got well over 40% of the vote across the state. So while none of them won, none of them, you know, got completely demolished. Yeah. Everyone made a good, strong turnout. So I'd still personally like to say that Georgia is more of a purple state, maybe more magenta, <laughs> but it's certainly not a bright red state the way that it has been in the past because, you know, I just want to shout out Stacey Abrams, B. Wen, Jen Jordan, Charlie Bailey. Uh, oh, gosh, I'm probably forgetting. Oh, Nikita Hemingway for Agriculture Commission. All of them had an amazing show out still. Mm -hmm. So it's unfortunate that they lost. But overall, Georgians should be proud of the turnout in this election and definitely fight to keep this kind of momentum in future elections. Because speaking of, there's literally another election in about two weeks that you probably already know about. Miles, you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So a little background, I guess, with the victory of Senator Catherine Cortez Masto in Nevada, Democrats um, have secured the majority in the Senate. So there was these three races that nationally people were looking at. Um, and, and, you know, the one is included in Georgia. So that's mm -hmm. a, another runoff that we're we're having to deal with here. And as most of our listeners will know, that's between uh, Senator Warnock and Herschel Walker. They're they're in a tight race um, with the runoff ending on December 6th. Um, but early voting is going to begin November 28th. There is some big news coming out around early voting, though, with the Democratic Party of Georgia and Warnock are actually just filed a lawsuit um, where they're kind of stating that there's a Saturday after Thanksgiving that right now where there's no early voting on. And they're saying that that is a misinterpretation of the law and that um, early voting should be able to happen on that Saturday. But yeah, going back a little bit, although the runoff is not as crucial for the Democratic Party because they do still hold that 50-50 with Kamala Harris being the tiebreaker there, mm -hmm. the, a slim margin with uh, Senator Warnock winning of a 51-50 would you know, give the Democratic Party a little bit more of a majority there and a little bit more power. Um yeah, definitely. especially against, you know, Democrats who have historically kind of voted against their party potentially. Mm -hmm. So having that extra person is mansion. always, yeah, <laughs> is always a, a good, you know, thing to have. Yeah. And, you know, it might not be as crucial for the Democratic Party, but I'm going to argue it is still just as crucial for the people of Georgia and also, honestly, for Senator Ossoff's sanity, because definitely. we still have a chance to decide whether Herschel Walker deserves a chance to represent our state on a national level. And, you know, our the 
national organization, League of Conservation Voters, has endorsed Warnock for his strong stances on climate policies. And uh, and so just make sure that when you're thinking about when you're going to go to vote, um, there's, as Miles was saying, there's not a ton of time this time around. We'll see how this lawsuit plays out from Warnock and the Democratic Party. But as it stands right now, there's only six days to vote. There's the Monday through Friday before Election Day, and then there's Election Day. So if you are someone who works weekdays all day, you're going to have to really plan ahead to make sure that, you know, ask your boss for an hour or two off so that you can vote. Because as of now, there's no statewide weekend voting at all. But yeah. hopefully between this podcast being released and the election, there will be. So make sure to keep an eye on that. Just a little context on that, why it is such a short time and why we are dealing with this now is because of the recent passing, the recent voting laws, where it did change the 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 time between the election and the runoff from nine weeks to four weeks. So now that's put us right on Thanksgiving week, which now is conflicting with the rule that there can't be Saturday voting if there's a holiday within two days beforehand. Um, so now because of Thanksgiving and then also of the quote state holiday, which mm. used to be Robert E. Lee Day mm -hmm. in Georgia. Now we can't have this Saturday voting. So we're only dealing with this because of that SB 202 and that like voting laws being changed from nine weeks to four weeks. So it would have put us in a different, you know, it would have put us away from Thanksgiving. Because yeah, if if you remember, Warnock has actually already run in a runoff for his yeah. Senate seat. And that happened in the beginning of January last year. Now it's in the beginning, or yeah, last year. And now it's in the beginning of December. And that's due to the passage of SB 202, which um, restricted a lot of voting rights around the state of Georgia. Yeah. And Raffensperger even initially did say that after election day for this runoff, there would be Saturday voting. But then now he's saying there's not. He kind of went back on what he said last week. So um, kind of interesting. The the plaintiffs in the lawsuit here, uh, Warnock and the Democratic Party of Georgia, um, kind of a, are alleging in their lawsuit that the secretary of state is misreading the law and limiting a critical voting opportunity. A few counties around Georgia have already said that if this lawsuit is favorable towards the Democratic Party and Warnock, they will allow Saturday voting. You know, they'll set it up and everything. So, yeah, we'll just have to wait and hear kind of what mm -hmm. happens with that in the next week or so. Yeah. And that would be Saturday, November 26th. So, yeah. Just keep an eye on our social media and on the news in general, because people will definitely be talking about it. Um, and so switching subjects a little bit, but, you know, staying on our favorite topic of legal challenges in Georgia. Um, this week was pretty monumental for abortion rights in Georgia. Um, on Tuesday of this past week, a Georgia Superior Court judge overturned the state's law that was banning abortions starting at six weeks of pregnancy. Judge Robert McBurney ruled that the ban was unconstitutional and said it can no longer be enforced. This decision makes abortion legal in the state of Georgia, again, up to 22 weeks of pregnancy effective immediately. Pretty crazy. Came out of nowhere, but really exciting. Yeah. And so what happened with the judge, really? So kind of what's the, the background and what did they declare? Yeah. Well, so basically this law was found unconstitutional based on the fact that it was passed in 2019. 
Uh, and right. in 2019, the precedents set by the court case Roe v. Wade were still in effect. And so according to the Superior Court opinion, uh, I'm quoting here, the supreme law of this land unequivocally was and had been for nearly half a century that laws unduly restricting abortion before viability were unconstitutional. Therefore, this law, in theory, never really should have been able to take effect because it's been unconstitutional since 2019. Um However, the state of Georgia has already filed a notice of appeal. This case is probably going to make its way all the way up to the Supreme Court of Georgia. So we'll keep an eye on it. But Judge McBurney's opinion does seem very strong and based in real fact. You know, it's literally just based on the date that it went into effect. Um, he said that this legislation was plainly unconstitutional when it was drafted, voted upon and enacted. Um, however, Roe v. Wade, as we all know, has now been overturned. So had this law been passed now in recent weeks and months, it would be constitutional according to this ruling. So this means that Georgia lawmakers do have the opportunity to pass similar or maybe even identical legislation in this upcoming legislative session that'll start in January. But um, as Judge McBurney said, they would first have to face the sharp glare of public attention that will undoubtedly and properly attend such an important and consequential debate whether the rights of unborn children justify such a restriction on women's right to bodily autonomy and privacy. And the original abortion law in back in 2019 passed by a pretty slim margin. And now mm -hmm. that it's even more of a nationally widespread issue, it will be interesting to see what happens uh, with it in the next legislative session. And even though this doesn't directly have to do with our work at GCV, we're very involved with legislative work around the state. And obviously, we're always fighting for women's rights and everyone's rights to live a safe and thriving life here in Georgia. So we'll definitely be paying very close attention to this. Yeah, the judge's words were were strong and made a really good case. And it was like, as you said, out of nowhere, but a mm -hmm. great, a great positive thing that came out of nowhere and it's just every time someone says roe v wade was over ha was overturned mm -hmm. and has been overturned i kind of am like is that true but yeah. it is it's it's, it's <laughs> these are the times we're in now yeah, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> i i wanted to kind of touch on another kind of non-legal kind of thing a more feel-good story yeah, about electric more of a positive buses yeah <laughs> um the Georgia school system will receive $51 million in federal grants for the purchase of electric school buses. Um, the EPA, Environmental Protection Agency, announced this back in October. The Clean School Bus Program is aimed at accelerating the nation's transition to zero emission vehicles and to produce cleaner air in and around schools and their communities, which is amazing. It's so great. Yeah, it's really cool. And um, we were really excited to get to celebrate this grant with a lot of our partner organizations that I wanted to just shout out, Mothers and Others for Clean Air, Environment Georgia, Southern Alliance for Clean Energy, um, Bluebird Buses, who are the manufacturers of the electric school buses, and many more. And just this money is really going to make a huge impact in Georgia and around the country, too. Uh, yeah, and a couple more numbers here. The billion dollar, this is all part of that bipartisan infrastructure spending bill that was passed uh, last fall. So 
um, the buses and the grants. So the grants to buy the buses will go to 389 school districts spanning all 50 states, Washington, D.C., as well as several uh, tribes and U.S. territories. Um, as many as 25 million children rely on the bus system to get to school each day. And this is a quote from EPA Administrator Michael S. Reagan. And um, he said that thanks to the Biden-Harris administration, we are making an unprecedented investment in our children's health especially those in communities overburdened by air pollution. Um, so Georgia is getting um, grants to go going to 15 school districts. The largest grant is 9.9 million, um, which is 9.9 uh, .9 million each, which is heading to Atlanta, Clayton County and Savannah, Savannah Chatham County. Um, and yeah, so this is just an amazing investment. And it just shows that, passing these bills does something and these things, things come out of it. And there was, mm -hmm. yeah, that event that you said, like there was an electric bus there it's happening and right. they're built right here in Georgia too, which is really cool. Right. It's um, not just abstract money. It's actually going to go towards real tangible things that are going to help children in our state. Yeah. And it's just a great proof of concept that um, people want these buses. These were all, these were not forced upon the districts. These were all applied for grants and, um, you know, they chose to have these buses and they, they see the value in clean air for their, their children and their community. So it's, um, it's really great to see. Yeah. And it is really cool that, um, uh, GCV gets to be a part of this amazing work. That's really going to help children and everyone around our state who, you know, everyone sees a school bus every day and we're all going to get to breathe much cleaner air because of that. Yeah. And I just really can't wait to see how this transforms Georgia. Uh, and anyway, thanks for tuning in this week. That's all we got for you on Greater Greener Georgia. We'll be back in two weeks with one of the last episodes of this year, which is awesome wow. and exciting. And the year has flown by. But yeah. thank you so much. And we'll uh, see you later. Yeah.